So we're doing a series called Secure in Everyday Life. This is our last. We've been going through this idea. Very often we've talked about church. The way we, t- way we think of church, the way we use the word church, is like it's an event or a building, don't we? So we say, are you going to church? What are you doing after church? Church isn't that sort of noun. Church is meant to be a noun more like family. And you would be a bit of a weirdo if you said, are you going to family? What are you doing after family? So we've been trying to think about, and also, you're not just family when you have Sunday dinner together with your you know, three generations. You're also family when you go to work the next day. You're still in the family, and that's the idea of church. So this is partly why we do, we have these three environments we talk about. We have this twice a month. We do hubs between two and four times a month. Those are smaller groups that do church around a dinner table, and we have discipleship groups, even smaller ways to do church that are um, where, you know, get together, look at the Bible and say, God, what are you prompting me about and what are you going to do about it? What should I do about it? Sorry. Um, and I guess one change that I'm thinking, that's in my thinking, is it used, I used to think of what God wanted to do in me happened when I went to church. So you'd come into this environment like this or maybe a home group, and that's where God is doing stuff in our lives. That's when the transformation is supposed to happen. I don't think I used the word discipleship then because I didn't really understand. I hadn't really thought that through. But we're saying what we want to get into much more of mindset is that God is at work in us at, because we are His children. So He's at work in us here, and it's lovely people to share. And I hope you're encouraged. And at the end, we'll have an opportunity to pray for if for anything, whether or not it came up in that that morning. Um, when we are in hubs, when we're doing food together, or we're on the WhatsApp group. And connecting, we, we feel that that's a place where God's at work in the discipleship group that's really focused around what, does, what is God doing in my life, but also in our everyday life. And perhaps that's the most significant place where God is at work, because that is, those are the places where we are making decisions, we are choosing the type of life we are living, and God is present and working, and that is a place of discipleship for us. So this series, uh, like two weeks ago, I kind of introduced a series, and I talked way too much about poo. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, that anyway, uh, I'm not even going to say anything more because I already said too much. So, uh, but what we are doing in the videos for the hub groups and on Sundays is we're going to hear from different people about how they find, discover God in their everyday life, how God helps them in their everyday life, how God is leading them through their everyday life, and how he is, he is empowering them to live their everyday life. So today we're going to hear from... Lizzie and Sally. I'm going to do it in alphabetical order, so Lizzie is going to come and speak first. So God, uh, just give us ears to hear these, um, the ways that you're at work in other people's lives, and our situations might not be the same, but there are principles here about just how good and involved you are. So we pray that we would hear this. Thank you for Lizzie and Sally being prepared to share this morning. So I'm here to talk about my everyday life as a musician and how God is involved in that. If you recognize me at all, it's because I'm usually over here with a fiddle in my hand. It's a bit weird not to have an instrument between me and the mic, but let's go for it. So I love making music. You don't have to know me for very long to know that it's my passion and it's my hobby. But it's also one of the ways in which I connect with God in everyday life. One of my places of security with God. I think it's pretty obvious here on a Sunday how sung worship aims to connect us with God as we've just experienced. 
It's there in the words of the songs we sing, in the direction and the focus away from ourselves and towards God. And it's in the space that's created in the music for us to be open to God and for the Holy Spirit to work in us. We know in our heads that worshipping God is about more than what happens at church on a Sunday. But sometimes the idea that God is interested in all the other stuff can feel a bit too good to be true somehow. Especially as a musician, I think it's tempting to think that the music God loves best is worship music and that all the other music I enjoy is a bit kind of second best. So I'm into folk music. If you're not involved in the folk scene, here are a couple of pictures to give you a flavour. So imagine that you walk into a pub and it looks like a film set for rural Ireland. There's a handful of musicians sat around the table at the back. They're turning out jigs and reels. It sounds really fun. But imagine now, instead of that, it's Devon. It's a wet Wednesday evening. It sounds a lot less professional, but more like you might be able to join in. There's a lot more chit-chat in between. Or imagine this. You're in a small town, pottering around the shops, minding your own business, when you spot someone in a top hat and a raggedy costume. Bit weird. But there's another. There are loads of them. They've got sticks out. They're Morris dancing. It all looks a bit pagan. If it's Sidmouth during Folk Week, by the end of the week, you have probably either reluctantly resigned yourself and joined in, or perhaps you've battened down the hatches and stopped going out to buy milk. Or possibly you've seen it coming, rented your house out for the week to someone who finds it more fun. <laughs> this is not quite my everyday life as a musician, let's be honest, but I do go to a session in a pub most weeks, sit around the table, play tunes and sing with my friends. I've just started dancing with a local Morris side, having been a tag along in the band for a couple of years. Spoiler, they're not all pagan. What has all of this got to do with God? How am I learning to do God's will through folk music? So I'm going to start to answer those questions by looking at a couple of verses from Psalm 143. To set it in context, the psalmist is praying to God. He's seeking rescue from his enemies. He sounds pretty desperate. So a lot of the psalm is him asking God to hear his prayers. In the middle of it all, though, is this line. In verse 10, he says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. The psalmist asks God to teach him how to do the things that God wants him to do. This prayer is born out of his faith and his trust. You are my God, he says. There's a setting aside of his own agenda, and there's a willingness to be open to what God asks of him. Then he goes on to say, may your good spirit lead me on level ground. Maybe, like me, you felt some hesitancy about asking what God wants you to do. Maybe in your secret heart you're a bit worried that you won't like the answer. I like this prayer from the psalmist. There's an acknowledgement that God is good, so there is already security. We're asking a God that we can trust. But we still maybe need some reassurance that he will lead us to that level ground. So I started a fake music session about a year ago because I felt that God had prompted me to do it. We all hear from God in different ways, as we have already experienced. And um, 
for me, I tend to recognize God quite intuitively. I do sometimes hear through Bible readings or conversation with others or from observing the world around me. But more often, it's just a kind of internal knowing, a kind of nagging that grows until I do something about it. I used to worry about whether it was my own voice or the Holy Spirit that I was listening to. But over time, I began to realize that if it was giving a good suggestion, one that would show kindness and compassion to other people, or open new possibilities, or stretch me in healthy ways, then I should probably trust my own intuition more, as well as trusting God's kindness. Just start gently pushing the door and see what happens. When I started the folk session, it was a big step for me to take into leading anything at all. But repeated nudges, that nagging, encouraged me to find another person to co-lead, to find a venue, and to advertise the first session at which point my co-leader moved away and I was left holding the baby. It wasn't quite the level ground you might hope for. There was a lot of prayer, and if I'm honest, quite a bit of anxiety at that point. But I love it now. It's become its own community with a bunch of regulars who've got to know each other, and it's a place where people who haven't played much trad music before can feel welcome to give it a go and find a way to join in. I pray before each session that I lead, then I show up, a little early to make sure we've got space in the bar area and I sit there nervously thinking that I can't remember any tunes and wondering if anyone else will come. It is, unsurprisingly, always fine. Sorry, I'm quite thirsty. So friends in the folk world know that I'm a Christian. It doesn't take long to come up in conversation because it's part of my day job. But one of the things I hope I can do in the folk community is to be present and non-judgmental. Someone who joins in with the music and the dancing as a joyful and active participant, rather than someone who sits on the edge thinking it's all too weird, too pagan, too embarrassing, maybe even too much fun for God to be there. The folk community is rooted into the seasons and celebrations. And one of my favorite memories is singing Christmas carols in the pub one night at the end of a long festival day, surrounded by people in spectacular costume, a lot of them slightly the worse for wear, but singing carols with great gusto, bellowing out all the harmonies with joy. And then the following morning in church, singing the same carols with a congregation who were also singing really joyfully. So whether I'm playing worship music or I'm joining in with my folk-loving friends, in all of those places, God is at work already. I love the music and the dancing of the folk community. I love the people and the bizarreness of it all. God has used those nudges, those kind of nagging reminders that feel like the Holy Spirit just knocking at the door. God has used them to draw me to something that I love. I can't see that it can be second best to do the things that God asks you to do. The second verse from the psalm that I want to pick up today is this one. In verse 5, he says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. So the psalmist, in his place of desperation, in his place of listening for what God is saying to him, looks back at what God has done in the past, and he looks at what God is doing now. It's a great way to encourage ourselves and to remind ourselves of who God is and how God works, because we are in it for the long haul. It is much easier to see where God has been at work in hindsight than it is in the moment. Those of us who've heard the rest of the sermon series will know that being secure in God is the foundation that allows us to listen to what God is saying and then to actually do it. Trust God, 
listen, and then do it. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? This is what I try to do with music. Of course, I don't manage it all the time, but because music matters a lot to me, over the years I have offered it to God again and again at different times. And I think there's something in the gradual, repeated turning to God, the small act of obedience that set the direction of travel and shaped the bigger picture. It's through this repeated process that I've been able to recognize that being a musician is part of the way that God made me and one of the things that God has called me to. Because God calls each of us individually to live for him in a way that only we can. I can see looking back that God has used music to change me. As a teenager, I was so terrified of being heard. I could only enjoy playing if I was pretty sure nobody could hear me. I don't know if you have ever listened to a wind band. When you're one of 25 people all playing the same clarinet part, there's a good chance nobody will pick you out from the crowd. I would love to say that worship was the key that unlocked it. And perhaps it was. Behind the scenes, I always carried on worshipping, hiding behind the pillar in church and imagining it meant nobody could hear me. It's like the audio equivalent, an audio equivalent of a toddler playing hide and seek by putting the cushion over their own head. But more obvious to me is that I joined a community folk music group and through that community, I found the acceptance and the confidence that I needed to be able to play music in front of other people. There were other things that have made the difference too, not least just growing older, realizing that it's probably only me who is judging myself. But I would say that that community music group was key. I learned how to play and how to dance without caring quite as much what other people think. I learned how to freestyle instead of sticking to the things that someone else had written, because that must be the right way to do it, and I didn't want to be wrong. I made friends with people that before I would have been a little bit scared to talk to, and their ideas and their experience have influenced how I think about God. Through all of these gradual changes, I've become able to worship God more freely, both in church and outside it. So I want to conclude by saying that God really is interested in our daily lives, even the bits that don't look holy to us. God has used music to teach me more about how to do what he asks and to help me to become more secure in him by knowing that I am truly accepted and loved and valued even when I'm doing things like this that make me really nervous. God is amazingly woven in and through it all, whether I'm playing tunes in the pub, dancing with the local Morris side, or standing here in the band on a Sunday. I wonder how it works for you. You've been listening to me rambling on about weird folk traditions and making music, especially if music is not your thing and it all sounds completely alien. If you've been around here for a while, this is probably familiar ground, and maybe you can look back and draw some parallels from your own experience you'll know that once you've started, once you've dipped a toe in, it gets easier every time. It doesn't have to be a massive, sacrificial, once and for all act of drama. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be weird. Okay, mine was, but it does. God knows exactly what kind of weird I needed, and here I am. So I would want to encourage you to ask God now, pick one thing that you do as a regular part of life, Lift it up to God and just be open to the possibility that God might have something to say about it. So I'm going to finish just with a brief prayer, that line from the psalm. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground.
Amen. What a great antidote to this idea we can get that God is a bit kind of like a fuddy-duddy and not... And there's that quote, isn't there? I don't know who it's by, but uh, don't ask yourself what God wants you to do. Find what makes you come alive and do that because what God wants is people who have come alive and, yeah, the joy he gives us. Sally. Right. Um, hopefully, as I speak this morning, you can... It's really so encouraging to hear Lizzie talk because I just think there's... Oh, have I broken it already? Thank you. So untechnical. Thank you. There's probably going to be sort of parallels in, in stuff that um, we say and just the way that God is working. Um, so forgive me, I'm going to read a bit off the paper, a bit ad lib, um, and hopefully it will. you'll find something that's encouraging. So the verse I just want to bring at the beginning is from 2 Peter 1 verse 3, and it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Just try and hold that in your thoughts as I'm talking. So um, over and over again, I think we can see God's involvement. We can't see God's involvement in our lives until we sort of look back and see the whole picture. And then we go, oh, yeah, you were totally there. And this is really true for me in terms of my career and how I ended up as a nurse. So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning, my career. So I wasn't always going to be a nurse. At school, I loved art and drama. And then I finally ended up taking A-levels in theatre studies, English, literature and French. <laughs> so, like, really not nursy at all. And I think I still harboured vague hopes of, hopes of being an actor or something arty. But funnily enough, without doors opening in those areas, um, I was persuaded by my parents to do a secretarial course for six months so that I could get some useful skills under my belt. And after that, I spent a couple of years doing sort of temporary sect secretarial-type jobs in Exeter in London, but it still felt like it was sort of a stopgap before finding the thing I was really meant to do. So I finally ended up in a careers library in Exeter, and very sort of unmiraculously and unexcitingly, um, undramatically, decided that I'd apply to do nursing because I had all the qualifications and I was sort of ready to go. I can't even remember if at that point I was even praying about my career or future. It was all fairly underwhelming. <laughs> Um, and I feel it's relevant to share this background because now, after 22 years as a nurse, I can honestly look back and say, okay, okay, God, I think I get it. Um, and I just think we often marvel at other people and what they do. Like, for me, I look at teachers and think, how on earth do you do that? Um, I could never do that, but of course I wasn't meant to, you know. And in, in the same way, the gifts, skills and characteristics that God has given me and that seem to generally come quite easily to me suit the job that I have. So I'm a practice nurse. I work in a GP surgery in Exeter. And in my job, I get to deal with all sorts of people, um, a lot of whom are afraid or uncertain or sad or lonely. And that's not just patients, but colleagues as well. And I feel like God has made me an encourager and an environment where morale, particularly post-COVID, and in these times, which are really hard, um, can be really low. Um, and it kind of fires me up to show kindness and compassion and encouragement. And when I get that opportunity, it feels like working in partnership with God, and I feel like I'm being who he's made me to be. Obviously, that's on a good day. Um, the verse I mentioned at the start is one I often pray when I'm in the car driving to work, just reminding myself that God has already given me everything I need for the day ahead. 
And I love the message version. It says, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. And I just feel the second part of that voice, that verse is so important. That bit about he will continue to, to supply every need I have as I continue getting to know him, spending time with him, bringing all my thoughts and my feelings and myself to him. And the moments or times and periods of anxiety I have about my job or about my life in general are always when I lose my focus on God's involvement and being in my life in every situation. And this really resonates with what Sarah shared this morning about praying or not praying. So I've realized a lot of late health and I worry about things and worry and worry and worry and only eventually end up chatting to God about it. And in relation to work, that might be anticipating a really busy or challenging clinic and dreading it or the anxiety of learning new information and guidelines because everything in health constantly updates. Um, and Or it might just be wondering how I'm going to cope with a particularly difficult patient or problem. Um, and I've noticed there is a big difference in how I cope with and deal with and feel about these challenges when I bring stuff to God, the earlier the better. Um, the benefit of this is also being less distracted by anxiety and stress and therefore more present to the situation I'm in and getting on with enjoying the places God, God has put me. Um, I, I kind of have got a tenuous link here, so just bear with me. I'm kind of channeling Dave's tenuous links, just with a little tiny aside story. So during lockdown, um, obviously a lot of people were sh um, sh having to shield in their own homes um, and my background is also district nursing, so I offered to help the district nursing team by visiting vulnerable patients at home. So it's a beautiful sunny day, and I've got all my gear on. So I've got a plastic apron, I've got um, my gloves, I've got a face mask, and we had to wear face shields as well at the time. So I'm really hot, huffing and puffing, get to this lovely um, elderly lady's house. I'm just going to do a blood test. So I go in, I'm like, it's really dark and dingy in here. Like, how am I going to do this? So she gets her arm out, and I'm looking at her arm, trying to find a vein. I'm like, this is really hard. I'm like, oh, do you mind if I just switch your lights on? So I go and switch her lights on, come back. I just, I, I literally can't see a thing. Dave's got a photo, but now is about the time to show the photo. Um, this is what happened. I had my sunglasses on while I'm trying to do this. And I literally, I, I still couldn't find it, and I'm adjusting my, my face sh shield thing and then realised I've got my sunglasses on. I was literally mortified. I didn't know what to do with my... So embarrassed I couldn't get out of that house as quick, you know, as I could. But I just thought, you know what, it's actually quite a good picture of us, you know, in, this, in the sense that without praying, we don't have the perspective to see. You know, we need to kind of... Um, just go to God first in that situation, and then the pers perspective is so much clearer. So just come to him in prayer immediately when you feel that thing. Um, the other just very um, little thing I wanted to share is I'm not very um, particularly brave in terms of sharing my faith. Um, people that at work know that I'm a Christian and that sort of stuff, but... I think also I just don't want to seem like a freak. <laughs> you know, you don't want to bash people over the head and you just want to be, I'm a very normal person. Um, so I, I do pray, you know, God, if you want me to do stuff, then you need to provide me with the opportunity. And a couple of times over the last couple of years, 
and literally on Friday, so I think God knew that I was doing this. Um, I've had opportunities to pray with people. So I've got, um, I work quite isolated. I'm in a room on my own. Um, patients come in to see me, so I have little interaction with people that I work with unless they knock on my door and physically come in. And that's even more so for people, um, you know, maybe sort of admin staff or management staff who work outside my room. Um, but there's one particular lady who has had some health problems over the last year that continually when I talk to her, I just feel like I really feel God's given me a nudge to pray for her. Um, and literally on Friday, she knocked on my door, came and sat in, asked me what she wanted to ask me and then chin wagged about all this stuff. And my patient didn't turn up and I'm like, OK, I've literally got the opportunity and, and prayed with her. And that was great. And it was very ordinary and received well and I just think it's an encouragement to if we are open to God and um you know that he'll provide those opportunities um so anyway hopefully the things I've shared have shown how God has directed my path in the job I'm doing and also shown how the way he created me as a person suits my role at work and just mulling this over is an encouragement so um, hopefully might encourage you also to mull over your situation where you are now whatever that is and see how God might be using you uniquely where you are and I wasn't destined to be an actor or an artist but I can see God's hand in the opportunities I, I've had and in the way he's directing me um, he's a God he uses the ordinary for the extraordinary which is amazing and he's at work right where we are um, so I just wanted to end up praying for us as well um, I just have this ever so strong feeling at the moment of us being lights in, in darkness because, you know, we're in times when people are really struggling and things seem quite dark. So um, it'd be great if we could pray. Um, so I'm going to pray with some verses from John 1, verse 5. Um, Father God, everything was created through you. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without you. And what came into existence by you was life, and the life was light to live by. And your light blazes out of the darkness, and the darkness can't put it, put it out. And so, Father, I just pray for all of us here this morning, wherever we are, that you'd help us to shine that light, your light, in the places that we are. Amen. Well, I mean, this is actually like, it was all a bit random how it's come, but it's just lovely today to be encouraged about our passions and hobbies and our you know, like working lives and just uh, God's involvement in all of those. So we can take that away. Bye.